So I just want to take a survey. How many of you guys had breakfast this morning? How many of you guys did not have breakfast this morning? I guess the rest of you, right? Now, this is honest. How many of you guys are, even, whether you had breakfast or didn't have breakfast, are hungry right now? Right? You start thinking about food. So this morning, I saw you, Jillian. <laughs> Jillian's hungry. So, so <laughs> what I have seen, or what I notice is um, Sundays after church, man, it's like I can't get to Kroger or a Mexican restaurant or home quick enough to eat. Anyone else the same way? It's like, man, you just start feeling that blood sugar. And it's like, I don't know what it is. Like any other day, I'm fine. But on Sundays, it's like, I got to get there to get food. So um, food seems to be this thing that drives us crazy all of the time. There's some kind of stimulation or addiction, whether it even just be a cup of coffee. Maybe I'm not hungry. I just need to have something going through my gobbler, whether it be coffee or lemonade or lettuce or chipotle or whatever it is. There's just this constant flow. So um, many of us are hungry right now. Many of us have thought about food right now. And today we're going to talk about fasting. So fasting is challenging. And here's what I recognize is based upon a Barna study, there's many people, or I would say this, most people, over 50% of those who are in the church, and actually the number was even higher, it might have been um, closer to 70 to 90% of people do not fast within the church. They see no need of it. Or when they fast, maybe they fast from certain things that the Bible says is not true. So fasting sounds super fun, doesn't it? From personal experience, not to shine any kind of light on me fasting or my experience fasting, but what I recognize is there's been few times that I've ever participated in a fast that I did not dread it. There's just been this frustration the day before or the hours leading up to it, like, my life is going to be miserable. Anyone else ever felt that way when they've, they're getting ready to um, get into a fast? And it's like, mentally, I'm more focused on going without whatever I'm fasting from than I am focused on Christ. So then it frustrates me because then my focus isn't where it's supposed to be, and it feels like I'm getting nothing from the fast. I'm getting nothing from the fast. I'm getting nothing from the fast. So, so what ends up happening is I make the fast about me rather than Christ because my focus has been on what I'm losing rather than what I'm giving up for him. See, our minds are powerful things, but there's... There's been few times that I've ever been able to fast with a positive attitude. So today we're going to learn about fasting and how Scripture tells us that Christians and believers, people who follow Jesus Christ, will fast. So what is fasting is what we're going to answer today. So I want to answer today, what does Scripture tell us fasting is? 
not what a good book says, not what a doctor says, but what does Scripture tell us fasting for a Christian is, right? What kind of fasts are there? And does the Bible give me permission or tell me that it's okay to fast from something other than food? And then you're like, well, what if I have a health problem? We're going to try to get to all those answers today. So let's get into it. Matthew 16, sorry, Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So see, once again, we see here in Scripture that it says, when you fast. So therefore, as believers, I believe most of us in here, or all of us in here, are believers in Jesus Christ. That's who Jesus is talking to. So as believers, we are to what? Fast. All of us in here are called to fast. Fasting was a common pro uh, practice for those who were religious, meaning Pharisees or followers of God, those who put their faith in God. It was, it was a common practice. It was meant to be a period of time without food. What's interesting, though, is I um, never thought about this perspective until studying this week. But a fast invites us into avoiding something that was a partner in original sin. A fast invites us into avoiding food. And what do we recognize about food? Food was also, invo um, food was also involved in original sin. So I think there's something so much deeper to that point, and I prayed into that often this week, like, God, what else does a fast, how else does a fast have to deal with avoiding original sin? Now, the original sin was just not eating the fruit. It was a partner in that, right? So, so when we fast, we're actually avoiding symbolically original sin. So um, Jesus was addressing those on the mount about fasting because many Pharisees would fast regularly. It was said that they would typically fast on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and Tuesdays and Thursdays were the busiest days at the market. So what the Pharisees would do is they would put on their sackcloth, and they look really tired, and they look really hungry, and they put on this show for the busy market, right? It's like in years past, maybe they'd go out on Black Friday and fast. Or maybe they'd um, go to Kroger and fast before the big snowstorm. Because here in Ohio, whenever the first big snowstorm happens, the shelves are emptied, and then you get like an inch, right? 
happens all of the time. So they would disfigure their faces, they would look dirty, and they would act tired when the market was at its busiest. Now, they did this on purpose, of course, because all of the people that would pass them um, would think that they were participating in a religious act, and they would possibly think of them as being closer to God. You know, so people who are, um, maybe I've been this person before, I can't think of a specific instance, I'm sure there is one, but I've definitely talked to people who made me aware that they were fasting. I'm fasting today, so I cannot have lunch with you. I'm fasting this morning, or I'm fasting this week. And what God is really trying to tell them is, hey, keep these things in secret. Your life shouldn't change when you fast. Don't try to put on a show to act holier than thou, because you've already received your reward then. But maybe these Pharisees or religious people, they were operating on Tuesdays and Thursdays, the busiest days at the market, because the people passing, of course, might have thought that they were more religious. But maybe what would have happened is they would donate to their ministries because they said, these people are fasting a lot. They must be really close to God, so I'm going to donate to their ministry. Maybe these people would speak highly of them. Man, did you see, insert name today, fasting? They must really be close to God, and their ministry must really be thriving. Or maybe they would fast on those days and make it evident to everyone else that they were fasting, because maybe those people would join their ministry. So if that was what they wanted, if they wanted more money or people to speak highly of them or people to think more highly of them, or possibly people just to join their ministry, then they've received their reward. But what Jesus is trying to share with those on the mount that day is fasting isn't about the earthly reward. What fasting is about is a deeper connection with our Father in heaven. Amen? Now, I'm still not sure that you guys are excited about the sacrif uh, sacrificing foods yet. What Jesus was getting at is fasting can be done with a wrong heart, and that makes it powerless. So how many times have I fasted with the wrong heart and wasted my time and God's time and it ended up being powerless? I don't want to give up food for anything. So why am I going to go into it with the wrong heart? Fasting isn't a show. Fasting isn't about suffering. And fasting isn't about people thinking of you more religiously. None of those things. Fasting is about being obedient. And fasting is about devoting time to God. Fasting is a way of humbling ourselves before God. And in the Old Testament, fasting was often su um, supplemented with signs of humility and brokenness such as weeping, mourning, lamenting, as well as wearing sackcloth and sitting in ashes. So true fasting isn't a show. Rather, fasting is a heart posture to connect with God. So hypothetically, if we call the church into a fast tomorrow, now you better know if we're going to speak on fasting, we are going to call the church into a fast. 
So if you want to leave right now, <laughs> hurry up. Lloyd's like, I can't hear the message. <laughs> I can't get the Facebook to work. What's interesting is fasting is about spending time with God. It's about a posture to connect with him. So if we were to call a fast just for tomorrow only, shouldn't we be excited that we're going to give up something to connect to the heart of God more? Now, there's nothing mystical or magic about fasting. There's not a one plus one equals two. God has his math, and his math never aligns with our math. God has something greater than common core math. Educators will understand that one. Would we be excited about connecting with his heart tomorrow? I'll tell you what, in theory, I'd have a thought, yeah, I can't wait to connect with God, but then I'd be thinking about everything else that I'm going to miss out on. Look, um, if we don't want to spend time devoted to, to God privately in a season of fasting, do we really love him? Those are hard questions that I ask myself throughout the week. Man, if I can't get excited about giving up food for a season, whatever the season may be, we're not saying 40 days unless God tells you 40 days. We're not saying even one full day. Maybe it's 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Maybe it's just lunch. Maybe it's just breakfast. If we can't get excited about giving up things to walk in a greater relationship with our Father, do we really love Him? And you've heard me say it a hundred times before when I first got married. Um, it's really immature, of course, and still um, immature. But Macy was like, are you always going to be playing video games? So I'm like, you're right. So I gave up video games, right? And um, it was a sacrifice that I was willing to be excited about. And she's like, no, you got rid of video games, and then you found something else to fill that time. <laughs> I'm working, woman. I'm trying. But that was a sacrifice that I was willing to give up for a close, closer relationship with Macy. Likewise, if God tells us to give up our proverbial video games, are we willing to do that by fasting? Nevertheless, nevertheless, who in here is called to fast? Raise your hand. According to Scripture. According to Scripture, everyone in here is called to fast. So since we are all called to fast, let's look at what I believe fasting is based upon Scripture. Now, some people in here might not agree with me today. Um, that's okay. If that's the case, let's talk about it. Um, not right now, of course, right? Don't be yelling at me. Keep things orderly. But let's talk about it over coffee, over dinner, over something. But I believe that fasting is a season with an undetermined time that you give up food or intimacy with your spouse to pursue the heart of God for many different reasons. 
Now, intimacy, I'm specifically talking about sex. Not just like, I'm going to be rude to Macy for the next two weeks. <laughs> right? So, um, if you have your Bibles, Luke 4, verses 1 through 2. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. So he ate nothing during those days. 2 Samuel 12, 16. David pleaded with God for the children. He fasted, and he spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. So, the original, in the original language, fasted is the word sium. Um, you should see my phonics that I put on here to try to pronunciate them right. But uh, sium is the word. And essentially what this means is to uh, abstain from food. So in the original language, a fast was to abstain from food. The primary idea was for the mouth to be shut. So not shut as in don't talk, but to don't put any food in your mouth. Now there have been many people who have suggested that fasting can be from such things, but not limited to TV, Facebook, golf, YouTube, news, eating out, getting up early, staying up late. We've had these ideas that that is what a fast is. But in the original language, what does a fast tell us it is? Abstaining from food. Now, those are all good things to give up during a fast, right? Maybe we can get up earlier. Maybe we can stay up late. We should certainly avoid Facebook and TV and golf and news and eating out and TV. Yeah, those things can happen accompanied with a fast. But fasting is supposed to be a time devoted to God without food. And as we fast from, and as we fast, all of the above that I listed should fade away. Amen? When we fast, when we're giving up food, when our heart is devoted to God, Facebook, YouTube, extra video games, whatever golf, whatever is kind of distracting us from life should be fading away because we're pursuing the presence of God. See, you don't give up a fast just to pursue something else because what I, what I realized is there was, I don't know, one of our last fasts last year, the year before, or whatever it was, it's like, well, I'm going to give up Facebook for a month. So I gave up Facebook for a month, and it didn't bother me at all. But then I filled it with, like, words with friends or something. So what I recognized is, is, is my heart is always looking for a distraction. Facebook isn't the problem. Words with friends isn't a problem. My distracted heart is the issue that God needs to deal with. So when, when we're fasting and, and we're pouring into him and he's pouring into us when we're devoting that time, everything else should fade away. 
Fasting isn't about just giving up one thing so we can be distracted by something else completely different. Amen? Anyone else ever fasted from TV or news and then accidentally filled it with something else? It happens. So fasting is, suppo yeah, fasting is supposed to be about a devoted time with God. Here's what one person suggested, one commentator, one person online suggested that a fast was. In short, a fast denies the self something good in order that one might repent or humbly seek God. Um, the particulars of what is fasted from or for how long are inconsequential compared to the heart turning from self towards God. Now, I'm not sure I completely agree with what this commentator or person said that a fast was. I think it's really close. And I think that's usually how the enemy works, is the enemy works really closely to what truth is to deceive us, right? There's a lot of gray areas. Now, I don't see in Scripture where fasting is to, um, is to be us giving up something good. Now, food is good, right? But when I look through and continually look through all the scriptures about fasting, I've never seen the scripture where it says, just give up something good. Give up something that you have fun with. Now, I have fun with food. I enjoy food. Food is good. But I don't see where I could with confidence stand up here today and say, scripture is telling us that we can just pick Facebook and fast from Facebook. I don't see where scripture says you can just pick getting up early or going to bed later as a fast. I don't see it. So I don't agree completely with this statement. There's, there's a lot of good in there. But a fast isn't just to de deny yourself something good. Um, I don't see in scripture where fasting, yeah, I don't see where fasting is giving up something good. Now, um, the only distraction that I might see that scripture calls us to give up, and it's even just weird saying it, is sex. And we will get there, but there might be one scenario, and um, of course, giving up sex is also reference to a married couple too, right? So um, y'all youngins, or you single people, um, yeah, 1 Corinthians 7.5. This is in the New King James Version. Here's what it says. <laughs> We're talking about fasting here. So don't go, using, um, don't go using this against your spouse later. But uh, verse 5. Do not deprive one another except from consent for a time. That you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So do not deprive one another except for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. So what he's saying is, hey, look, married couples um, have this agreement or, yeah, don't deprive one another 
um, from this unless you're committing to a season of fasting and prayer. And again, Scripture tells us that we are to give up food for a season as we humbly pursue the heart of God. So the only possible distraction, see, it didn't say Facebook. And what I've seen a lot of commentators and or people say is this scripture here is the loophole to not give up food. They're saying 1 Corinthians 7 is the, 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 the sentiment. Sentiment is a hard word, right? Um, and we can be very manipulative with our words, too, as I shared with you before. An old church that I was at, they changed one word to their bylaws, and that word was historically. It used to be, we believe this, and then what they changed was, historically, we believe this. So it changed the whole bylaws, right? Likewise, here, we have to recognize that... Um, we can't just add in to Scripture that, the, that this is a distraction. So what commentators like to do online is they like to say, this Scripture is telling us that, you know, if you're distracted by Facebook, if you're distracted by golf, if you're distracted by YouTube, if you're distracted by mowing grass, if you're distracted by your job, give those things up for a while, and that can be your fast. I don't see it in Scripture. I don't see it here. So I'm not willing to preach that this is the distraction that other people have given us, the loopholes to fast from something other than food. So if you don't agree with me, please help me in Scripture. Um, find, up, find out what fasting in, or what we're supposed to give up during fasting may look like. So we might be tempted to say, well, the times are different now, right? Food was their only distraction which I do know that food was a big part of their culture. Yet, we also know from early on in our existence that there must have been technology and plans to distract us from God. Now, I don't know exactly where I stand on this, but as I was praying and putting this together this week, just um, this scripture came to my mind. There's this idea of how... Um, in ancient times, there was like no technology, right? Like we were cave people. I don't read in scripture where we were ever cave people. I don't believe it. I just don't. So to think that there weren't distractions in technology, because what people like to say is, well, we're so distracted by TV and we're so distracted by our cell phones and everything else now. Like they didn't have that stuff back then. Well, I kind of want to ask, how do you know? Seriously, like, no, please do not take this out of context. I'm not saying we had like 10G Wi-Fi towers back in the day. But I am saying there, there was technology. There was people coming together with great knowledge. And scripture affirms that. So Genesis 11, 3 through 6 says this. And they said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. So the Tower of Babel, right? So um, the people on earth, they wanted to come together and they wanted to build a tower that reached the heavens. 
and they were going to do it. How do we know that they were going to do it? Because God says so. Here's what happens. So that they may make a name for our, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So how do we know, um, or how do you build a city or a tower that could reach the heavens? You do it with great technology, right? You have to have some kind of technology to build a uh, skyscraper. So we know they had some kind of technology. They had plans. They weren't just sitting in their caves all day, right? They weren't just making tunics and stuff. They were building a great city. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So back in the day, there was technology, there was plans, there were distractions that people could still be distracted from. Amen? So for us to say fasting was different then than it is now, sure. But there were still things for people in the ancient age to be distracted from. I know that that thought about the Tower of Babel might stretch us a little bit, but there were still distractions, technology back then. God affirms that his people would have been limitless. So for us to try and say that food was the only way for these people to free up their time and seek God's face, face is at worst deception and at best misunderstanding. There was so much more for them. So I do not believe that we can substitute food for TV, getting up early, staying up late, Facebook, or anything else like that. That could possibly be looking for loopholes that Jesus has spoken to us about the whole Sermon on the Mountain. Amen? So when I fast, I can't just pick the easy way and say, I'm going to fast from Facebook this week. Fasting from Facebook, like from just a personal level, not like a heavenly level, would probably be good for you. Fasting from the news, not with any religious intent, would be good for you, right? Because, because there is fasting, and just all fasting isn't fasting unto God. Some people just fast for their health. Nevertheless, I'll make it clear. My understanding of scripture is a fast is only qualified as a season without food that we humbly connect with the heart of God. That's it. Why did I come today, right? You're actually saying, I'm like Lloyd right now, I can't hear you. Now I understand some of you have some health uniquenesses, some health problems, right? I recognize that. Only you and God can determine um, what, what kind of food or how long you can give that up. So am I telling you <clears throat> that those with health problems cannot honor God through a fast because you can't give up Facebook or you can't give up video games? I'm not saying that. 
but there are many fasts that you might be able to complete based upon what God is asking of you, such as partial fasts that we'll get into later. But I also want to say this. Um, if you have a medical problem, talk to your doctor too, right? Talk to someone you trust about fasting. Just don't go into it like, well, the Bible tells me to fast, so I'm going to do it, and now you're in the hospital. So you also have to be smart about it. So what are some reasons why people fast in Scripture? So we understand that we're called to fast. We understand that fasting is from food. Possibly um, fasting could be connected with intimacy with your spouse. But why would people fast in Scripture? Why should we fast as the church? And the first reason that we should fast is Jesus tells us to when we fast. But another reason why the church might fast is to intensify your prayer. Ezra 8, 23. So we fast, fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Fasting is often connected with prayer. A lot of time, intercessory prayer. So Ezra fasted and petitioned God. We have to realize fasting likely changes our prayer, not whether God hears them. See, when we fast and our hearts connecting with God, it's likely going to take our prayers from petty prayers to serious prayers, from our prayers to his prayers. Amen? So it doesn't change whether fasting isn't like us pulling a string on God. It's not that he hears our prayers more when we fast, but it's about a deeper connection with the Father that we know how to pray a little bit better. So first thing it might do or why we pray is we recognize that our prayers need to be intensified. The other thing is to seek God's direction in humility. Judges 20, verse 26. Then all the Israelites, the whole army, went up to Bethel. And there they sat, weeping before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening and presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. It was just that day that they fasted, right? They went without food. That's what they were fasting from. So Israel was facing two days of defeat right here. And this humbled them because things were not going their way. So what did they do? They fasted. And as they fasted, this prepared them to receive God's guidance in humility. So as with prayer, fasting aligns our heart with God's. So um, God's guidance was able to be received in humility. So if we're recognizing that we've been rebellious or we're being rebellious, maybe we go into a fast, a serious fast, and say, God, help my heart align with yours. Because I don't like what's been going on Help my heart align with yours. And it was just for one day. That's all they did. 
one day fast, but they meant it. They understood that they needed to connect with the heart of God. It wasn't, oh, we have to fast today. Oh, I have to fast tomorrow. It was, no, things are not going my way. I need to connect with the heart of the Father. So in humility, I'm going to fast for 12 hours. That was it. The other thing or other reason why we might fast is to express grief. 1 Samuel 31, 13. Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. 2 Samuel 1, 12. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and for the nation of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. So there was mourning going on. And because there was mourning going on, what did they do? They fasted. Now, have you ever noticed <clears throat> when you've been grieving, when you've gone through something, that you typically lose your sense of appetite, participating? It just kind of goes away. You don't, you, you, you don't even think about food. I think that's God's natural way of calling us into fasting and grieving. Now, if you've recognized that you haven't eaten in a week, you're probably not fasting. You're prob you probably need some prayer. You probably need some encouragement. And you probably need a Big Mac. <laughs> right? All right, spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's. Breadsticks from, uh, breadsticks from Pizza Hut. Whatever it may be. But sometimes when that initial appetite goes away, when we're mourning, I think that's the response of God in us to call us to a connection to him. So the next time that you're mourning and you lose your appetite, may you actually hear the voice of God calling you to connect with him. Amen? I think that, what, how great is it that God has created our, our bodies to work in that manner? So, <clears throat> sorry, one of the ways that, or one of the reasons is to express grief. The next thing is to seek deliverance or protection. Second Chronicles 20, 3 and 4. Alarmed, Josephat, sorry, Josephat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Why? For deliverance, for protection. You're familiar with this. Esther, chapter 4, verse 16. Go gather together all of the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I, am my <clears throat> I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, 
I will go to the king, even though it was against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Plain and simple, people fasted for deliverance and protection. We have to fast and pray for deliverance and protection. So, many people are frustrated with the nation. Many people are frustrated with the world. And what I typically share with people is you're only as serious about seeing change in something as you are praying about it. Now let's also say this. You're only as serious about seeing change in the world, in America, in your community, as you are praying about it and as you are fasting about it. Because the heart is deceitful above all else. And often what happens is people get on social media or listen to the news or talk to a friend wherever at breakfast and they become the smartest person in the room. If the president, if the leader, if the governor, if the mayor, if the superintendent, if the principal, if the pastor, if my boss, if the manager would just listen to me, things would be all right. We're only as serious about seeing change in a certain area as we are fasting and praying. So I rhetorically ask you the hard question. Are you as serious about seeing change in areas that you talk to other people about as your heart has convinced you? Have you fasted and have you prayed more than you've complained? And I would dare to say this, that the American church has not. I'm not saying that there hasn't been individuals. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not a, some faithful few out there. But generally speaking, I've heard more of this from the church than I believe that we've been fasting and praying and being the light into the world. But what, happened, what has happened as is <clears throat> we've convinced ourselves that we're something that we're not. Amen? All right, kind of hard word. Plain and simple, when people fasted for deliverance and protection, um, usually in Scripture we saw God answer. But what we must note about um, the uniqueness of when people prayed for deliverance and protection is it was often the body coming together. So, um, Josephat, right, called everyone to come together. What also happened is Esther, in the book of Esther, with Mordecai and everything else, they all came together. So some fasts are not just private fasts, but what we see in Scripture is when we're praying for deliverance and we're praying for protection, the church came together. So does the church want to come together and fast and pray? I mean, I know it's a hard question, and it hits me in the face. Um, as um, Mark shared with us several weeks ago, just being inconvenienced by the Lord or people can sometimes be annoying. So, but what if I said, hey, every Tuesday we're going to fast as a church, and then after work we're going to come in here and we're going to pray and hold up our nation's arms until 9 or 10 p.m. That would really inconvenience us, wouldn't it? 
Oh, boy, I don't have time for that. But you know what? I'll give up Facebook today, and I won't play video games, but I'll stay up 15 minutes later, and then I'll say a few prayers for you guys. I'm happy you guys are meeting. Again, the Sermon on the Mount, I just feel like an undertone or maybe even the main focus isn't about just doing religious acts. It's about having a heart connection with the Father. So are we as believers willing to connect to the heart of God? If we want to see change in this nation, then we will fast and we will pray together for its deliverance. We will, period. And if we don't want to fast, and if we don't want to pray, and it's not like a token system, like if you do this, then God will do it. But it's about humbling our hearts before God to recognize our need to connect with him. So there is coming a time that we will call this church to pray, worship, and fast together communally. And my hope would be this, that not only do every one of you attend the meetings, and there's no judgment if you can't be here, none. But the expectation and the hope would be that the church of true believers, true followers of Jesus Christ, would understand the seriousness of this day and this hour, <clears throat> but also, also understand the seriousness of Scripture and how true it is. Amen? Amen? So prepare your heart for a season of fasting and praying. The next reason why you might fast, is to repent. 1 Samuel 7, 6. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed. We have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as the leader of Israel at Mizpah. Fasting can align our heart with confessing and turning away, repenting of our sins. Thank you, Mark. Fasting from water, are you? Not fasting from water. Thank you. I always think this moment's funny when the whoever's sharing has to take a break and take some water, so just enjoy it. I'm embarrassed, so I might as well just try to be funny. <clears throat> I'm really not sick, I promise. I haven't used this much. It's only my second week back. <clears throat> so we fast so that we can repent. <clears throat> I'll get it. <clears throat> All right. I think it's better. All right. So, fasting can help us align our hearts with repentance. As they fasted, there they confessed. We have sinned against the Lord. So, fasting can align our hearts with confessing and turning away from our sins. The next thing, we might fast to humble ourselves before God. 1 Kings 21, 27 through 29. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his 
clothes, put on sackcloths, and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in days of his son. Fasting can be a way to express humility before God. But not only did um, the humility, not only did it bring humility, but it also brought um, protection. The next one, to show care for the work of God. Nehemiah 1, 3 through 4. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are, great, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Deep distress for God, right? I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of the God of heaven. So because there was distress for the kingdom, are there things to be distressed about today for the kingdom of God? There are, right? There's a lot of things to be in distress about. And what that did is that caused Nehemiah to fast. Fasting can be a tangible sign for a care for God's kingdom or for a, or for a specific work that God is up to. The next way or next reason why we may fast is to help meet the needs of others. For time's sake, I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but Isaiah 58 talks about a true fast. I'm just going to read verses 3 and verses 7. So, verse 3. So, I'm reading verse 3 to help you understand that the scripture is talking about a fast. We have fasted, they say, and you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Now, verse 7. Is it not to share your food for, uh, with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood, so we don't fast just for ourselves, right? We don't fast just for a show. But when we fast, we still look out for the needs of those who are around us. So sometimes while we're fasting, the needs of others will come up as well. A true fast is also looking out for others. To overcome temptation, Matthew 4, 1 through 2. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After, after fasting 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. Fasting, prayer, and scripture help us overcome temptation. So if you're dealing with temptation this week, fasting, prayer, and scripture. We got two more. To give adoration 
and worship to God. Luke 2, 37. And then was a wit <clears throat> and then was a widow until she was la 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 <clears throat> and then she was a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying to give adoration and worship to God. Fasting can be a regular way to express worship to God. She went to the temple regularly to send God God's people. So you pray with people and you send them. Sometimes you fast before you send them. Acts 13, 2 through 3. While they were worshiping, the Lord <clears throat> sorry um, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them so after they had fasted and prayed they placed their hands on them and sent them off Another reason why we might fast and pray is we're sending out a missionary. Maybe we're going to ordain someone and send them. So there's are many reasons why we might fast. There's others in, scriptures as, in the scriptures as well. Now, I'm going to finish with this. This is going to be uh, much quicker. But there's different kind of fasts in scripture. So what kind of fasts are there? So you understand, okay, Joey, I understand that we as believers are called to fast and that a fast is from food. I understand some reasons why we're supposed to engage fasts or get into fasting. But what might a fast look like? Here's what they call a normal fast. And a normal fast is no food and it's water only. There's also an absolute fast, which would be um, no food or water. Now, an absolute fast is really dangerous, actually. Essentially, um, you could go 40 days, maybe a few more, without food. That's crazy to think about, isn't it? Now, you might go three days without water. You might. Maybe after two days, your body's going to start going into some kind of protection mode. So an absolute fast is really dangerous. So here's what I would say. If, if you feel God calling you to an absolute fast, um, it can be dangerous. And you also better make sure you're in general, generally good health before you do that. Right? So um, maybe even talk to your doctor before you do that. And um, the only way you survive after three days is if um, God's just on you. So we have the normal fast, we have the absolute fast, we have the partial fast. <clears throat> so this would be an example maybe like the Daniel fast, um, fasting certain days, or um, anything else like that. So maybe you fast <clears throat> Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and that's a partial fast. 
Maybe you do the Daniel fast where you're just eating fruits and vegetables, right? And then you're not saying like fruits and vegetables like, I don't know, like some kind of cherry cake or something. Or I'm eating a strawberry, a strawberry shake. You just forget to add in the milk, right? So um, certain, certain partial fasts, like the Daniel fast, is you're still eating food. You're just giving up what Daniel would say, choice items. Um, certain um, fasts like that could be people who have health problems. Those could be good fasts for them. Nevertheless, um, there's the juice fast, which um, is fruit, fruits and veggie um, juices only. There's the corporate fast where the church comes together and we fast together from something for a period of time. There's the Jewish fast, which um, essentially they would fast from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then there's um, fasting and abstinence, so giving up food and intimacy for a period that you can pray. So, um, the other thing is this, is um, <clears throat> fasting is not about losing weight. You should never go into a fast saying, well, here's, here's, here's my benefit. I'm going to go into this fast and hope to lose weight. But what we do recognize is this, is um, doctors and science have actually proven that if someone does a water-only fast for three days, your body starts to... Um, create new stem cells. Isn't that unique? So the very thing that, go figure, the thing that God calls us to is actually good for us. Come on, somebody. Science has proven that fasting actually makes you healthier. So God calls you to do something, it's for a reason. So if you do a water-only fast for three days, you're getting new stem cells. I need to figure out how many more days it takes for new hair cells, <laughs> hair particles. Macy will be hiding the food in my house. <laughs> I'm going to go home and search that later. How long must one fast? I'm wrapping it up. Here it is. This is it. So when we fast, right, how do we fast? We don't fast religiously. Essentially, Isaiah 58. The people are fasting and putting on sackcloths and ashes, but they're also exploiting their workers and quarreling and fighting and opposing the poor at the same time. They're being very religious and pious. That's why Isaiah um, 58 talks about true fasting. Because you have people who are fasting, yet they're mad at people. They're taking advantage of people at the same time. It's also why scripture says, hey, look, you should forgive your brother or sister before you come present your burnt offerings to me. So before you come into church and act holier than thou, before you come up to church and respond at the altar, forgive someone. Be restored to them. Likewise, when you're fasting, don't just act religious. Love people. Don't do it a fake way. Don't be fighting with people. Don't be quarreling with people. The next way is 
Um, when we fast, we need to fast humbly. Don't draw attention to yourself. Do it in secret or with the body of Christ. But act as if life is normal. Fast with a purpose. Don't just sign up for no reason. I gave you 10 reasons why you can fast. 10 purposes of why God calls us to fast. Find one of those reasons and fast with that. Fast regularly. Do it often. Uh, one of my friend's mentors, um, I guess I was going to say his name, but um, just so we don't look at him higher than we should. But one of my friend's mentors, um, he fasts over like 240 days a year. Isn't that crazy? He'll be in the middle of the sermon, and um, it's like the Holy Spirit will speak to him and feel like he needs to break his fast. So um, he'll just be like, I need something to eat right now. So someone will bring him, up bring him up Tito's or, I don't know, something, and he'll break the fast right then. 240 days. This guy sees people healed and delivered and set free all of the time. Because he's, the other crazy thing about it is he also runs marathons. You're lucky to get me up on a Sunday after I haven't had food, let alone go run. But who sustains this man? God. See, when we fast appropriately, God is everything that we need. Because Jesus says we don't live on bread alone. There's a sustaining power that comes with Christ. So fast regularly. And that's it. Don't fast religiously. Fast humbly. Fast with a purpose. Fast regularly. So I'm going to process with the elders over the next several weeks. Um, so elders begin to process and pray into that. What kind of corporate fast we're going to call our church into. Now, here's what I say. I've given you enough reasons today to go home and pray, God, what do you want me to fast about? Not when do you want me to fast, how you want me to fast. God, I'm going to fast from some kind of food. And when do you want, like, when do you want me to start and what's my purpose? Amen? Now, scary, isn't it, participating? How many of you guys are just kind of frustrated and worried about fasting? I am. I'm frustrated and worried about it. Um, but I know that it needs to be a regular thing within our lives. I'm not going to be religious with this. This isn't, I'm not trying to get a reward. Don't raise your hand for a reward. But I do want to know as the body and for accountability, who's going to ask God about fasting this week? Raise your hand. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's pray. Father, um, so many of these things that you call us to that we just somehow miss, somehow you want us to avoid um, food, that partnered with original sin, you want us to avoid that? So I ask this week that you would put on all of our hearts the what and the why you want us to fast. 
Speak to us clearly. I pray that you would sustain us as we fast. Father, that it's already assumed that when we're fasting, we're going to be praying and we're going to be meeting with you. Speak to us clearly. I ask that you would protect us from the schemes of the enemy this week. Father, that as uh, temptations come, that you would give us the boldness to take the path that you provide a way. Father, I pray for the body of Christ around um, the world, that you would strengthen them, that you would hear our cries, that there would be a deep mourning of unity and love for one another. And I pray for this church, Father, that we would walk in greater unity, that we would have one cry together, and that truly a year from now we would say, um, God, thank you for the 300 people that come regularly on a Tuesday night to fast and pray. In Jesus' name, amen.